This is episode 12 of the Rising Man podcast with Cam Adair. Load it up. What is up, Rising Man community? It's Jetty Azuma here, the creator and host of this show once again with another riveting episode of the Rising Man podcast. I'm so excited as always, to be back on the mic in front of you guys. So many exciting things to share just in this past week alone. First of all, thank you to all of the community who's listening to the podcast, literally all over the world. As of this past week, the podcast has been listened to in over 20 countries and on every single continent, except Antarctica. So the first one of you guys to go to Antarctica and listen to an episode and download an episode there, I'm going to hook you up with something real special because we got to be we got to be all over the globe, <laughs> all over the map. Uh, but super grateful for every single one of you guys who's been tuning in. The downloads are going up every week. And I know that the message and the spirit of this podcast is really starting to stretch all over the world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Every single one of you from the bottom of my heart. The Facebook community, the Rising Man Facebook group is also going strong. We're over 500 members right now, and the conversations have really been picking up lately. It's really exciting to see how the men are starting to dive in and share our stories together and recognize just how similar we all really are. No matter whether we're coming from Australia, from the States, from Europe, there's a lot of common threads that we as men are all experiencing and going through. So... If you're not already a member of the Facebook community, make sure you go and check it out. And uh, before I tell you guys all about my amazing guest this week, I wanted to make a very special announcement and something you're going to hear from me more frequently now. Now that I've been in the work for a little bit, I'm starting to recognize how many men are alone out there in the world. And I know because I was there myself before too. And because of the work that I've been in for the past five to 10 years of my life, I really am committed to making sure that no men get left behind, that no man has to feel alone in his process and what he's going through. And so that's really the spirit behind the podcast and the Facebook community. But I also know that at times we need a little more support than that. So I wanted to announce for the first time here on the podcast, and like I said, you'll be hearing more from me, um, that I am offering my services as a mentor, as a coach for men out there for all budgets. So like I said, it's it's all about making sure that the resources are there for you guys. And right now, this is the best way that I can do it. So what I'm inviting you guys to do is feel free to message me on Facebook, Instagram, or hit me up on the email, jettyazuma at gmail.com. If anything you've heard in this podcast hits a chord with you, or if there's something that you're going through right now and you just don't have the support, just shoot me a message and let's start a conversation. And if I'm not the resource for you, I will promise I will find you some outlet that will help you because I've got all kinds of resources, all kinds of connections right now, men out there that want to support other men. So please, please, please reach out. Don't do it all by yourself. Okay, now for my special guest for this week, uh, Cam Adair is the founder of GameQuitters.com, which is the world's largest support community for video game addiction with members in over 86 countries. He's an international speaker, a YouTuber, a published researcher. He's been named one of Canada's top 150 leaders in mental health, also been featured in two TEDx talks, Forbes magazine, BBC, ABC News, Vice, and the Canadian press, just to name a few. My man Cam is just loaded, chock full of information and experience, having lived through the story of 
gaining addiction and finding his purpose and beginning to live a powerful life in the world. In this episode, we talk about the patterns that lead men into addictive behaviors in gaming and in other areas of life. We talk about why men are having a hard time facing adversity and challenge, how to redefine failure, and the importance of celebrating the small wins on the way to greatness. So turn up the volume, dial it in right now because Cam is about to drop the fire for all of us. Without further ado, I present to you guys, Cam Adair. All right, Cam, my man, thank you for joining us all the way from out in Australia right now. Where, where exactly are you in Australia? I'm in Sunshine Beach, which is near Noosa. Uh, it's like a mini paradise on the coast, uh, the eastern coast, about an, uh, two hours from uh, Brisbane. Excellent, man. What, what has been the most exciting thing that you've seen or experienced since you've been there? I got to surf the last two days, and that was after a month of not surfing. And so for me, just being in the water is super special. It's where I feel most connected. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I also, I, I don't know if your audience will really find this funny, but I'll say it anyways, but I landed in Australia and in the first three days, I found myself in two cacao ceremonies and then a hape ceremony. And it was just this kind of funny thing where, you know, when, when you get, you know, you get to a certain point in your life where like that sort of thing would be normal in California, but then you're in a different country and you're finding yourself in these funny uh, experiences of, of people just coming together to really, you know, sit in ceremony in, in that way. And, and I just found that really hilarious that, you know, somehow I, I was an energetic match for that here in Australia. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's definitely a unique way to make your entrance into, into Oz. <laughs> Australia was like, let's go. We're diving in ceremony and, you know, we're connecting more with each other. So awesome, man. Uh, well, thank you for taking time out while you're on your travels over there. Um, you know, like I, like I said in the intro here, you've got so much wisdom to offer uh, for young men. And, and I know this audience will really have a lot to gain and um, with your experience in, in overcoming your own gaming addictions and also this bigger conversation that you and I were talking about before we started recording. So uh, before we kind of work our way down that path, I want to ask you a question I ask everybody when we start off. And that is, for you, what is the difference between a boy and a man? My father is a very quiet, quiet person. And... He's never really, he's someone who like, if I go to him and ask him specifically for advice, he'll give it to me, but he'll kind of, he's always been kind of hands off, like allow me to kind of go and and do my thing. And I remember one time I was talking to him on the phone and I was kind of complaining about how something was hard or, you know, I was frustrated at the fact that, you know, I hadn't got to the point I wanted to be yet, or I was really stressed and overwhelmed. And he said, Cam, the difference between a boy and a man is that a man handles adversity with ease. And I remember just hearing that and really having it really hit home. And I don't think that ease necessarily means that you're, that there's no struggle. Ease to me in that context means more about taking responsibility for the experience. And that's really when I think about being a man in my life and not being a boy. It's not about not having fun. It's not about not being an inner child. It's, it's none of that. The difference is just taking responsibility, like radical, radical responsibility and taking ownership of who I am and how I show up. Mm, I love that, man. And I'm starting to see that that's the common thread in this response is there's an element of responsibility and personal accountability that we see as that we can identify in a man 
that boys don't seem to have quite yet. Right. It's about maturity, I think. And really taking that responsibility takes maturity because it's saying, you know what, I can only control what I can control. And that's who I am and how I show up and, and who I'm being in the world and how I'm being in the world. And so that for me has been a really important pillar to kind of like a, a compass even because there's so much as you know and, and as I'm sure people listening to this know it's really confusing to think about what it means to be a man and how do you be a man and what does that even mean but if you start with taking responsibility for your life and how you show up in every single way even when things aren't working out you can still control your attitude yeah man absolutely I can totally relate to that and that's actually a great segue into our into the next question so why don't you just tell us a little bit, for those who don't know you, aren't familiar with your journey, what are some of the challenges you faced as a teenager and as a young man that led you into the work that you're doing today? So a lot of my work comes from my own personal experience. And, you know, growing up, I was a fairly normal Canadian kid. I went to school, played hockey, and then I'd go home, play video games. And I was a really happy kid, actually. My nickname was Smiley. I just had this pure joy for the world, just this vibrance of possibility and, and optimism. But that all changed in the eighth grade when I began to experience a lot of bullying. And that bullying for me was really intense. You know, like kids would chase me around the school trying to put me in the garbage can. And, you know, there was actually a moment on one of my hockey teams for over an hour I was being spit on. And those experiences for me really caused me to no longer feel very safe at school or, or feel very safe on my hockey teams. And so I en ended up actually escaping and kind of checking out from life escaping in the video games and just being able to feel a greater sense of control in that environment. You know, no one could bully me online because I could just block them or delete them or move to a different game, move to a different server. But really what happened was I checked out from life and just, you know, was living with my parents in their basement, playing games up to 16 hours a day, super depressed, super anxious. Eventually got to a point where I was deceiving them by pretending to have jobs and eventually got to a point where I wrote a suicide note. And so those challenges for me, I mean, we're, we're really around the mental health stuff, the depression, the anxiety, the just feeling checked out from life. Uh, I really struggled with, with just feelings of rejection with women. You know, I would like have a crush on a girl and I'd ask her out and be rejected. And that would really hurt a lot. And not knowing how to navigate those emotions, I think was a really big part of it because as I've got older, I've realized I'm actually a very sensitive person and I've had to learn how to navigate that. Uh, and when I was younger, I think that my state was responding in a very sensitive way to these experiences, but I wasn't necessarily conscious of that. And so a lot of my work has been, as I've learned more about that, I've been able to develop tools and, and resources and, and you know, change that in my own life and now be able to share my story to, to be able to hopefully inspire someone else, you know, who's maybe going through something similar. And that's led to Game Quitters today and, and all the work I do. Yeah, man. And it's, it's such a amazing story. I really relish in, in looking at what you've done and, and what you've created from your own pain points. And like I shared with you before we got to recording here that, you know, my, I've watched my my younger brother game for his entire life, and and I even had a period of my life also where I was drawn into that world. So, for for people out there who may not understand gaming, what, why is it that men, especially young men, are so drawn to games and gaming? First, you have to understand the emotional needs that gaming fulfills. So, gaming fulfills kind of four specific human needs that we have, and, and these are just human needs we have that you know there's nothing wrong with them. It's just understanding how you fulfill them that's really important. So 
you know, the first is that games allow you to temporarily escape. And so you can escape from stress, you can kind of get away, you can get a break from the day. And, you know, again, there's nothing wrong with that. The second is social connection. So games allow you to feel a sense of belonging. They allow you to feel like you're a part of a community. They allow you to feel like you're surrounded by people who understand and, excuse me, get you. And, you know, I remember I would stay home on a Friday night gaming and people would be like oh like why didn't you go to the party it's like i had my own party and it was with my friends online and you know this is a point where if you're wondering why a teenager is so drawn to games you know for them to actually quit gaming is for them to become the social outcast at school because almost every single kid in high school is playing games right so that's a really important point to remember you know the third need is constant measurable growth which means that games fulfill your need for growth and progress and you get it through instant gratification you know, games are specifically designed for you to always know what to do next. That's the fourth one, which is uh, a sense of purpose or a structured sense of certainty. And so, you know, when, when games are giving you all of those human needs in one thing, there aren't very many other activities in life that really fulfill all those human needs in one thing. But then it gets worse because games are a fully immersive, hyper-stimulating experience. And your brain actually gets used to that. It's similar to porn. It's, it's similar to other uh, you know, very stimulating experiences where the more you're overexposed to that, we know from research, the more your brain actually gets uh, used to it and you can actually have structural changes that happen to your brain where you can find everything else boring. You can find that, you know, you actually suffer from willpower erosion, which means that, you know, even if you wanted to quit, you wouldn't be able to anyways. And, and you can have hyperreactivity to gaming, which basically means that, you know, gaming is really, really exciting and everything else is boring. And so you first have like the emotional needs gaming fulfills all in one thing. Then you have the overstimulating environment where your brain actually gets used to gaming and it's all available to you by just pressing a button. Mm -hmm. And those forces combined make gaming really, really engaging and really sticky and really challenging to move on from because to move on from it's to create a major void in your life and it's become a social outcast and it's to lose your identity and it's to no longer have things in common with people at, school or to lose all of your friends. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's a really challenging experience, but it's important to remember that whatever you're doing, whether it's gaming or it's watching porn or it's any other habit that you have that maybe isn't super good for you, it's remembering first that you want to focus on, is it having a negative impact on your life? And if it is, great, let's now do something about it. And second, why are you drawn to it? Like, what is it about this thing? Where do you go to it? Why do you go for it? Is it to get a break? Is it to feel a sense of connection? Why is it that you're so drawn to it? And then starting to replace those needs with other activities. Wow, man. When you lay it out like that, it, you I start to see how powerful of a cocktail it is. And it's just like all the other uh, tech, technological gadgets we have. They've really figured out engineering wise how to hack into the human brain. And so I, I'm appreciating that in a whole new way. And you said something really interesting there about that I've never thought of is that to, to put down gaming is to willingly become the social outcast because everybody's doing it. So how do you empower a young person to, to go against the current, especially with something like that that's so pervasive? I have so much empathy for this. It's really hard. And this is, these are questions that I get frustrated by in some sense, because I get them from parents. You know, the other day I gave a talk in front of 700 parents in Brisbane, Australia. And a parent came up to me afterwards and said, Cam, I totally hear everything you're saying. Thank you. My son doesn't really like to play games, but at school, all of his friends play and they make plans during the game. 
So they'll all be playing together and then they'll be like, Hey, let's go see the movie. And let's go on Tuesday at night after school, we'll go watch black Panther or whatever. And if he's not there, he doesn't get invited. And he doesn't want to be, he doesn't not want to be invited. He wants to go hang out with his friends. He doesn't even really like to play games. He would be happy to go see black Panther. And they were very conflicted because he doesn't really want to play, but then he feels like he needs to play in order to be able to be a part of the social group. And that's really hard. There aren't easy answers in that situation. But I think that what I always try to encourage young people to do is to remember that high school is this this very awkward period of your life where it's all based on social status. It's all based on the popular group of kids. But after high school, you go to different colleges, universities, you end up having a completely new group of friends. Like I almost have barely any friends still from high school. And I'm making new friends all the time, you know, even like connecting with you now. I'm, I make new friends all the time. And you really want to surround yourself by people who have similar values to you. So if you're a young person in school, I understand most people are playing like almost not like 95% of, of kids are playing games. But that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, just delay the things that you're inspired to do because of that. I think there's a lot of other, you know, trying to find group activities outside of school where just by the nature of being in a group activity, you have some other things in common, you know, searching online for, I remember like I went on DeviantArt, which was like an art social network way back in the day and connected a lot with people there. And I think there, there are other environments you can get in where you can make those friends outside of games. But most importantly, you just need to know that that's okay to do. You don't have to just sacrifice all these years playing games if you don't want to, just so you fit in. Like actually, if you don't fit in on some level, we know from research that if you're not part of the popular group of kids growing up, you're actually probably set up better for success long-term. Right. That's interesting, man. It actually brings up a pretty interesting dilemma because I hear what I hear you saying is find your people. And I, I hear that message coming through a lot for more towards adults, I guess, young adults who are still trying to find their way. And maybe they, maybe they had a career that wasn't working out. And it's like, well, we'll find your people and you'll find yourself. Right. And I'm thinking, imagining saying that to some of the middle school and high school students that I mentor. And I'm thinking, well, go out and find your people, go, go online and find your people. And then in that sense, we're saying, Hey, here's some people for you, but they're halfway across the world. So how do you, how do you, uh, and I don't know if there is an answer to this, but what do you think about that? Asking kids to generate relationships that don't have any physical or um, close proximity component to it. There's two thoughts. You know, the first is obviously when, when someone's a gamer, you know, they make friends all over the world. Like that's like a normal thing. And growing up, I was someone who made friends with people all over the world. Uh, my buddy Alden, he lived in Singapore and, and, for the last eight, nine years, like we would just talk on Skype and he was a blogger and I was a blogger and we would just chat and like kind of support each other, you know, and, and get on a call every once in a while, but mostly we would just chat. And recently, a couple of years ago, I went to Singapore and we finally had a chance to meet up and he showed me around and it was like us being in person had no real difference than the conversations we had online because we were homies. So as a gamer, that's like a super normal thing mm -hmm. to be making friends online. Uh, and just in this day and age, like, I feel like that's even, even more normal than ever before. The second part is 
I just try to share everything I try to share. I try to share it from personal experience. I don't try to speak about things I don't know, but in my own life, you know, I travel all over the world almost full time. You know, I'm based out of Encinitas, California, San Diego, but you know, I won't even be back there until maybe the end of June at this moment. (laughs) And you know, that means that this year I've been there for maybe like two weeks so far. Mm-hmm. And I'm in Australia now, but everywhere I go, I try to cultivate community. And, you know, a big part of that is you don't have to be in the same place physically to be able to have relationships. You know, last night I was talking to my friend Azria on, on Instagram and, you know, I do phone calls with people and I do Skype calls with people. You know, I'm not always in the same place as my friends. Actually, most of the time I'm not. But that doesn't mean that we can't have these incredible relationships just using technology. So I just try to share that as well, that, you know, it's not a perfect solution. And I get that. I totally own that. And there are other options if you're willing to be creative. Yeah, man, that's, that's great. And as you were sharing that, I was, I was hearing you reflect on your own life. And I was like, wow, here's a guy who leveraged his ability to network with people all across the world into his lifestyle. And not every gamer will do that, I imagine. But I mean, that's another great example that you're setting for the for those who are following you and watching you is that, hey, you can turn these relationships you're building into community all over the world and make a life of it. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Like the thing that you learn traveling is that there are amazing people everywhere in the world. And, you know, there are those relationships in my life, like the Alexis and the Prestons and the Adams and the Azrias that are like family to me, you know, like family. And if I only talk to them when I was physically in their presence, I'm almost never there. Like, especially as you get older, people got things going on. Like you got families and travel and all this stuff. And for me, I was conflicted at, at a point because I love to travel and I'm always traveling, but I also love being with my friends in person. Mm-hmm. And the solution for me at least was just a, everywhere I am cultivating that community And whether it's getting introductions from other friends who know people or just knowing kind of how to find good spots or just being friendly when I'm in a spot. Like I met this guy yesterday at a cafe here named Jason and, you know, we had an interesting conversation and if I see him again, we'll have another one, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and just like, it's not like we're going to be best friends right now, but there's some degree of connection that we are able to establish there, you know, but also just, leveraging technology to talk to people uh, all over the world and and just you know it's never a matter of resources it's a matter of resourcefulness mm-hmm. and so you know whatever it is that you're trying to create in your life how can you be creative and resourceful to to find a solution to that um, instead of seeing it as like either i have to travel or i have to be in the same place all the time and for me like that just doesn't work for me i believe in the third option which is how do i get both mm, i love that Beautiful, man. One of the things that popped up also is I'm, I'm imagining what are some of the misconceptions and fears that parents and, and society in general have uh, about technology. And one of them is that it's it's rendering this generation, these millennials who have known nothing else other than technology as we, as we know it, um, in, it's rendering them incapable of physical social interactions. And so um, would you say that's something that you had to learn? Or is that something that gaming actually supports by having those networks? It's a great question. And there's a few different variables I need to go into. <laughs> Do it, man. Like, I'm like, allow me to really elaborate on this. Uh, so here's the thing. First part, for me, I was actually a very social kid. You know, I was like, I want to be friends with everyone. 
until I was bullied, then socializing no longer felt safe. And that's been like a gigantic journey for me, you know, to the point of I would go to parties with like best friends of mine and have panic attacks. You know, like I, I almost couldn't even be in a room full of people. Even today, you know, I've come so far and yet I still get very socially anxious uh, and really have to like, just be mindful of it. I've come so far, but I also am very present with like, I still have a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if anyone out there is feeling like that, just know that, you know, you can make significant progress. It, I've been working on that for nine years though. So, you know, significant progress is going to take some ser- excuse me, serious effort and serious time. You know, it's also beautiful. Like my social life now is, is just incredible. Like the connection I feel with people. And so progress is possible. Online, the misconception has been, you know, from parents, like those aren't your real friends. But as I shared earlier, like my homie Alden, that was a real friend. You know, Alden was there for me during times like I was going through a breakup and he would talk to me every day, check in, how am I doing? Like real friends. The difference is that when you're not meeting people face to face, you're not developing things like empathy and, and other social cues. And, you know, when you see a username online, the way you feel about that is very different than if, if that was a real person in front of you. And, you know, you can check my YouTube comments as an example of that. Like I have people who email me and tell me to go kill myself. I have people who email me and say, you know, go walk off a pier with concrete tied to your shoes. Hmm. And Hmm. if they said that to me in person, like that would be a weird thing. That would be really awkward. You know, you would never say that to someone in person, but online it's like, oh, that's not a real person. It's just a username. It's just an avatar. And we know that technology in that way doesn't really uh, cultivate your development of empathy, which I also believe is a really important part of you being able to make friends. Like in my life, when I had very low empathy, I had no friends. And in my life now, I have a great deal of empathy and a lot of friends. And I think there's an interesting correlation there. The point though about technology that's really important is that, you know, our parents always like to say, so I'm almost 30. So, you know, our parents, uh, to give you context of that, my parents always said, you know, when we were younger, we got kicked out of the house and had, had to go outside and play. And the part that's missed about that is that it's not just that you were outside and had to play, but all the intangible skills you developed because you were outside playing. So you had to be creative to be like, okay, I'm outside. What do I have around me? And what can I use to be able to create fun? You got an opportunity to be social because you were like, yo, neighborhood kids, come play with me. Like, I don't want to play by myself for like eight hours straight. You had to be resourceful. Like, what did your environment give you? You had to be independent, like no one else was going to tell you what to do. So you really had to create that engagement in your life. And all those intangible skills, as you got older, gave you the capacity to be in a a blank room by yourself and to be able to be with yourself. Whereas nowadays, the complete opposite happens, which is if you're not fully entertained at all times, you don't know how to be with yourself. Mm -hmm. All those intangible skills are just underdeveloped. And it's created this paradigm that we live in around instant gratification, where we want everything now. And if we don't get it now, we either are on to the next thing to get it now, or we're having an actual physical, like mood, emotional response to it. And it's so important that we recognize this because we live in a paradigm now where we want everything now. And we know from research that delayed gratification is actually what makes people more successful long term. But not only that, fulfillment in life comes from engagement, not entertainment. So we kind of live in this entire world now where it's almost like consumerism 2.0. 
for a long time, it was consumerism, like go buy a bunch of stuff, go to the malls, buy a bunch of stuff, consumerism. Now it's consumerism in entertainment. Watch every show, watch YouTube eight hours a day, watch every Netflix series, make sure you binge watch the episodes. And it's consumerism where we're just passive objects being entertained and entertainment is stimulating. It makes us feel like, oh, that's interesting or we're laughing or whatever, but we're not fulfilled. We're not passionate because that all comes from actual engagement. Mm. You have to shift that paradigm that you live in where you're a creator, not a consumer. Mm. A creator, not a consumer. There, that's a, that's a golden one right there, man. I love that. Um, and that's actually a great segue into the next thing I wanted to ask you about. In, in one of your videos, you introduced the word escape. And I, I saw that video and I was like, wow, I bet a lot of men out there can relate to that feeling of escape. And what you were just sharing about consumerism, that sounds like to me, the the man, like the, the, the uh, indescribable they that are controlling things. But I think there's also our, our comp- component to it, our role in that game. So what are some, let's just understand the problem. What are some of these other outlets that you see men using to escape right now? The story goes like this. You're a teenage boy and you want to feel engaged in the world. You want to fulfill this need for competition that you have, like this feeling of wanting to grow, this drive you have. And so you go to video games, right? And they fulfill that in this really beautiful way. And we know like research again shows that, that as men, our brains are more kind of attuned for competition. And so video games are a great source for that. And they're fully immersive. So like you start playing and next thing you know, like five hours go by and you don't even think about it. But then anytime you want like any degree of of connection in your life, you can just watch porn. And we know that from research, like the first viewing of porn starts at eight years old and chronic use of porn starts at 11, 11 years old, chronic use. And then you have any other time that you have in your day, you can just kill by watching YouTube. So we know from my own research that the average gaming addict, for example, games 25 hours a week and then also has 25 hours a week in other internet activities. That's like mindless browsing, watching YouTube videos, watching Twitch streams and porn. And so if you total up, it's like 50 hours a week. And so they might go to school for like eight hours a day. And then they have 50 hours a week that they're just completely absorbed in technology and in gaming and porn and in YouTube. And it's all around this idea of escape because we know again from my own research. uh, So I have published research. So anytime I'm kind of sharing that it's coming from this. So I know from our research that the number one reason people are gaming is to escape. And so it begs this question of like, what are we trying to escape from? Mm -hmm. Our generation has this really interesting situation because there's this, this gap with our parents where, you know, you might've experienced like your parents don't really understand you or they look at millennials as like this spoiled generation. It's like you almost millennials have it so good. They're like, when I was younger, we just worked any job. You know, we, we didn't only have a job we were passionate about. And that's because that generation from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they were living in a different paradigm. Our parents, they got a job because they needed to pay the bills and they became passionate about the job because that was their job. And if you're going to do the job, you might as well enjoy it and become passionate about it. Whereas for our generation, we've had so many of our human needs just met. The quality of life is so high now 
that now we move up into the paradigm where now we go into more like self-actualization, realizing one's potential, being passionate. So that's where we're now like, I will only work a job I am extremely passionate about and nothing else, right? And so what happens is the gap between where we are and, and the vision that we have for our life of this passionate, purposeful, realizing one's full potential, the gap between that can feel really overwhelming or can feel confusing or can feel like I don't even know how I'm going to get there, but I just innately feel inside like that's the only thing I want. And it's the only thing I'm willing to do. And in order to get between those two points, you need action. But then we live in this paradigm where we want everything now. <laughs> and when it's not there, we might as well just like be entertained and escape into gaming or escape into porn or escape into YouTube because then we don't actually have to deal with it. Mm. It's kind of like, there's a lot more that, that kind of goes into it, whether it's like boys not really knowing how to be a man or boys kind of feeling rejected as they grow up and that creating a lot of pain in their life like it was for me and not knowing how to deal with that pain. So you just check out and escape. But it's this notion of like, what are you escaping from? That until you get to that, until you start looking at that, until you're willing to be confronted by that, it's going to be really hard for you to actually start taking action to get to that next point that you can see inside. Mm. Yeah, I can really relate to that, man. I, I believe in in what you're sharing too. And one of the things that I've seen is that there is a inability for a lot of men of this generation to embrace challenge and, and to take challenge head on, especially when the stakes are their own life. When you've got a character in a game where, you know, you fail the mission and you just start over, it's a little bit different. And so, you know, a lot of a lot of the old school guys that I talk to, they have that mentality like, oh, you guys are so spoiled. And it's like, well, sure. And this generation of parenting has made life so easy and so safe that we don't even know how to challenge ourselves. Are, are you seeing something similar on your end? Gaming is a safe place to fail where there's no risk. And just to give people an idea, we know that employment rates for young men in their early 20s are dropping sharper than any other group right now. And an economist from the University of Chicago asked, if these men aren't working or they're not in school, they should be working. But if they're not working, where are they? And he found that they were gaming. And 75% of the time that they used to spend working is now spent gaming. So young men in their early 20s are checking out from society, not only from school, but not even joining the workforce. And that's like the future of the workforce. Mm. A big reason why when I ask our community, like, you don't have a job, you're unemployed, you're living with your parents, you know, what holds you back? And they're like, well, if I apply for a job and I don't get it, that hurts. That's rejection. But online, you know, if you die in a game, you just press the restart button and you try again. Like, it doesn't hit you on a personal level in the same way. And a lot of that is, is A, the safe place to fail where there's no risk, but a level deeper is this element of ego in your life where in order for you to grow, you actually have to put yourself out there, be vulnerable, be courageous, and be willing to fail. Not because that means something about yourself, but because that's the way that you get feedback and you learn and you grow. Mm -hmm. And letting go of your ego to say, you know what? My purpose is actually just to, to continue to learn and grow and to expand and to evolve. It doesn't matter whether you, you make mistakes or not because that's all feedback. But you have to get to that point where you're willing to let that go. And until you get to that point, it's going to be really hard to take action because you won't take action because taking action means the, the potential for you to fail. 
and failure means something personal. So instead, you'll just continue to procrastinate because, hey, if you procrastinate and you're not making progress, that just means like, well, I'm not trying anyways, mm. right? So you have to be willing to let go of your ego to be willing to say, you know what? All I need to do is to learn. And if I learn, I'm making progress and I'll grow. And that's the whole point of this thing anyways. Yeah, man. And that's the message. Uh, I hear it happening more and more is this dialogue around failure is something that people are talking about. And I, I know for myself, you know, failure felt like a dirty word for years until I started to understand and recognize what you just said, that that's feedback, it's learning. And I also know that you could subscribe to the daily motivation, the inspirational quotes that say, fail forward or failure is just a lesson. And it's still going to make it difficult to put yourself out there on the line like that. So what do you think is really the solution for guys out there that just are so paralyzed by this fear of failure you have to start small and one of my favorite books for everyone reading this is the slight edge by jeff olson and it really just talks about the idea of of compounding interest as it relates to personal development so you know the little things you do every single day compound into big results over time for me what i had to learn i can be very perfectionist i have a very high standard of excellence but that can be paralyzing because it's very rare that I actually get to the point where I'm able to achieve that level, that standard at the beginning. But if I leverage that against myself, where I start putting things out there quickly, I have a lot of motivation to improve that fast. So let's just take an example of, you know, I've done over 200 videos on YouTube. And the very first video of mine was shot on an iPhone in portrait mode. And all my filmmaker friends lost their minds. They were like, landscape, at least landscape. Come on, man. Like, at least landscape. <laughs> so video number two, I actually had a GoPro at the time, but I didn't know how to use it. And after shooting the first video on the iPhone, I was like, okay, now I will watch a five-minute tutorial on my GoPro, learn how to use it. And I shot the next 100 videos on my GoPro. And then I got so many comments from people that were like, yo, bro, you look like a fish. Can you please get a nicer camera? I was like, okay. But if you watch my first YouTube videos, like the first 10, you'll see, you know, first iPhone, second one, GoPro. But then, you know, eventually my answers were like 12 minutes long and I had to learn to cut them down. And then I added like an intro and I made progress and now I have a nicer camera and I improved quickly over time. And so it's the idea of you don't have to go from zero to hero today, but if you put a little bit of progress in today, you do a couple little things. And you do that tomorrow and you do that the next day and you do that the day after that. Over the course of a year, the amount of progress you'll make will blow your mind. But we get so caught up in we have to go from zero to hero today that we don't do the things that help us even make a little bit of a pro progress in that direction today. And I try to just be an example and it's really hard to remember this for people. So I constantly remind them, I'm nine and a half years deep. Like I've been working on myself hard every day for nine and a half years. I've been posting content online for nine and a half years. And some people watching this will be like, wow, your audience is pretty small for nine and a half years, right? And yo, I totally hear you. And I know that I'm about to be the overnight success because I'm about to hit, hit year 10, right? So it's, are you willing to commit long-term? Are you willing to commit a little bit every single day? And what happens is when you start doing that, you actually build momentum and it really starts to become fun. Like all this stuff for me now is just pure fun. But at first it was challenging. So not only do you need to do 
a little bit every single day, but you need to celebrate the small wins. You need to celebrate the small wins. You need to acknowledge yourself. Dude, good job. Yesterday I went surfing. Good job. Like surfing was the one thing I could do yesterday that would really help me feel good. And it was like a three hour effort. I had to take the bus to the beach, walk to the surf, surf, take the bus back. Like it was a whole thing. But it was the one thing I did yesterday that helped me feel as good as possible where today I woke up ready to take on the world. So make sure that you acknowledge yourself. Like what's one thing you can do today that will help you make progress towards a goal you have? Do that thing and then acknowledge yourself for it. Because so often the dialogue we have in our heads is we're not doing enough. So even if we're doing a little bit, but we're not doing everything we could be doing, we're hard on ourselves about it. And that creates a lot of discouragement. And personally, I've found that if I encourage myself, I'm a lot more likely to do it because doing the thing is, comes with me feeling good about myself. And so encouragement, not discouragement, be a creator, not a consumer, and make sure that you celebrate the small wins because celebrating the small wins will encourage you to continue to do more of them. And that's ultimately how you make progress over time. Wow, man, that's super powerful. And, and just thinking of like my own days back when I used to game, probably 10 or eight or 10 years ago, that's something that the spirit of a gamer can relate to is that, you know, investing the time over and over again to make that incremental progress. And you don't hit that level that you want to hit without putting in the hours and the time. And so um, that's cool. It's cool that you weave that message in. And I remember for myself, just in this conversation we've been having of the moment that things switched for me where I realized I don't want to invest anymore in some fictional hero that lives on my screen. I want to start investing in the hero that lives inside me. And so uh, it's such a, such a powerful way that you, I've, I'm starting to really understand the intricacies of what you're doing, man. It's really, really cool stuff. Life is the ultimate video game and you are the character. <laughs> That's it, man. That's the gold right there. That's what everyone needs to hear. Um, and just before we start to move towards wrapping up, you, you also touched on something that I've had in some of my other interviews about this self-acknowledgement, self-appreciation, self-love. So is there some unique angle you have on that for, for those of us that have a hard time with it? I struggled with low self-esteem for a really long time, but not confidence. And that was always interesting to me because I was always a pretty confident dude. Like, yo, I'm going to be something. Yo, I'm a talented person. I have a lot of potential. Like I always really resonated with that, but then I'd have such low self-esteem. And what I learned was that self-esteem is the reputation that you have with yourself. And in order to shift that, you want to cultivate this sense of pride within yourself and not pride from an ego place, pride from like, I'm actually proud of who I am. I'm proud of, I had to cancel my Iceland trip recently and I was supposed to go with a friend and I had to call her and just take ownership of the fact that I had said I was going to do something and I was no longer doing it. And even though I was making that choice from a place that, that was very aligned with, with my own integrity with myself, I also acknowledged that I was not following through on a commitment I made with her. And that's not necessarily the friend I want to be. Like that's not how I want to show up. And making that call was not easy. I can procrastinate on that call for a long time. I'll just stop being friends with them, you know, to avoid it. But I've been working on that. And even after that call, like just taking a moment to say, dude, like you did that call and you did the right thing. And for me, regardless of whether I was able to, to follow through on a commitment I made to go on a trip, my own integrity 
with myself of being able to take full ownership of my life and all of it, the good and the bad, that's what allows me to feel proud of who I am. That's my definition of success. And cultivating more of that sense of pride within yourself, proud to be who you are, proud of how you show up. That's what's really helped me shift that self-esteem in my life. And just trying to find different ways to do that. So sometimes it can be something external, like the fact that I went surfing yesterday and put in all this effort to do it. The fact that I spoke at TEDx Boulder, you know, was crazy. I had never spoken on stage before. And then there I was in front of 2,300 people in a sold out auditorium being totally terrified, but knowing that after I did it, no matter what, I would be proud of who I was because I rose to the challenge and I, I put myself out there in a really major way. And now I look back at that video and even though there's a lot I wish I could have done better, I look at that video and it's always a staple in my life of, wow, I showed up big time in that. Um, you know, so it can be in big ways, small ways. It can be something external. It can be something internal. But just cultivating that greater sense of pride within yourself, proud to be who you are, is really what helped shift that in my life. That's awesome, man. I, I can't endorse enough the practice of self-acknowledgement and, and not even just like thinking those thoughts in your head, but saying them out loud. They take on like a whole different weight to them when you when you look yourself in the mirror and say, I, I really acknowledge you for making the effort to go surfing today. That was big time. That's, that's great stuff, man. Um, awesome. So this has been a great conversation, man. I really enjoyed this and I'm sure that everyone listening will get a lot from it. Um, there's a way that I like to wrap up. So I'll ask you a few kind of rapid fire style questions. Uh, the first one is, what is one thing you've learned up till now that you wish you learned or knew back when you were 18 years old? What's been present for me the last year, especially, is, is the importance of flow and, and really embracing the idea that everything that's happening in your life is happening for your greatest good. And it might look different than you think how it should look, but if you're willing to step back and embrace the shifting circumstances, there's magic that can unfold. So be open to all outcomes, be open to being surprised and always consider that maybe something isn't working out, but there's something else on the other side that is, is meant to work out in a much bigger way. And that for me has just really allowed me to let go of things being a certain way that I thought they were supposed to be, to be able to find the magic that, that, is, that is available to me after. Yeah, that's, that's good medicine for all the pre recovering perfectionists out there. I'm one of them too, man, so I can definitely relate to that one. Um, and, and you kind of addressed this in, earlier on in the interview about uh, what do you think it means to be a man in the modern world? So how about this? What do you think are the most important values to have as a man in the world right now? Integrity is everything. I really think integrity... Being a man begins with being in integrity with yourself and, and how you show up. Uh, so integrity is huge. I think vulnerability is huge. Vulnerability is, is the willingness to speak your truth and own it and, and the willingness to also listen and to, to say, you know what, I, I might not know everything. How can I listen and really hear what people are saying? I think in this day and age, we live in a culture of outrage. And, you know, there are certain forces we could talk about that maybe another time. But I think what, what's really important for us right now is, is you look at the polarization that's happening in, in society, especially online, 
And what I would just really encourage people to do is, is how can you listen more to everyone and not listen as in you need to take on all their stuff or you need to take on their beliefs or their perspectives, but how can you just listen to learn more? How can you have a greater sense of awareness of where they're coming from and what maybe their pain is they're speaking to? And, and that's both men and women or anyone. And just how can you really show up with more of a beginner's mind, a willingness to learn? Uh, I think that'll, that'll really help. But integrity, I think, is, is huge. And, and being a man, I, I think, is, is really um, being a brother and supporting each other and being of service. And I think as men, it's very easy to show up and try to do everything on your own. And I think that when you look back at, you know, tribes and things like that, men showed up together. They were brothers. It was a brotherhood. And I think all men listening to this, if you can show up in more service for others, more supportive of men and everyone in the world, I think the world will be a better place. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm smiling from ear to ear over here because, uh, you know, this is probably like the 15th interview that we've done for this podcast. And like I said, there's starting to be some common threads in the messages coming through. And, you know, my mission to, to help unite men into their own unique purpose and then into this global purpose is it's happening because we're all starting to speak the same things, the same message. So brotherhood, integrity, man, right on. I'm, I'm right there behind you, bro. <laughs> Um, so excellent. So everyone who's heard this, I'm sure they're going to want to know where to find you, where to keep following you if they're not already. So hit us with it. Yeah. So, uh, anyone around the gaming stuff, you can check out gamequitters.com or gamequitters on YouTube. There's a ton of content there, like for free for, for everyone. Uh, if you want to follow me in my own journey, you can, you can find me on Facebook or on Instagram at Cameron dare. Uh, you know, I'm super active, always trying to share different things on my heart. So um, yeah, if, if you're listening to this, I'd love to hear from you. Just reach out, you know, you can find me online. It's pretty easy. And just let me know, you know, what you took away from this or, or a question you have. And I'd love to support you. And, uh, just thank you for the work that you're doing. I, th I think it's awesome. And, and it's such an important space to be holding for men. And, and, uh, if you're a man or anyone listening to this, you know, make sure you support this podcast. It's, uh, being of support and leaving a rating or sharing it or whatever is, it goes such a far away. Uh, to help you know, really create this world that we're trying to create. So um, yeah, just how can, how can you really support in a, in a bigger way? Ask yourself that. And, and I hope everyone's having a wonderful day. Right on, man. Well, thank you for that support. Thank you for showing up and we'll have to link up when you get back stateside. Absolutely, man. All right. Right on, man. Take care. There you have it, guys. Another amazing episode. This was a powerful conversation to have with Cam. Um, this was really our first time connecting in this capacity, and I learned so much from what he had to share, from the amount of research that he's done into this topic of what is keeping men from living powerful lives, and the fear of failure, really understanding why men are so afraid to fail, why we're so afraid to step out in our lives and really take on challenge, the challenge that's going to mold us, and seeing how uh, crippling that can be and how isolating that that can be. And so it was really great to connect with Cam and to tap into some of the wisdom he has on this topic because so much of what he said resonates with me personally and what the spirit and the message of The Rising Man is all about. So please send this episode, share it up, tag it up, 
make sure it makes its finds its way to the men who need to hear it because this is the way that we're going to impact this change on a global level remember we're on six out of seven continents now so it's happening <laughs> and we're only 12 episodes in um, okay you guys so i want to announce again for those of you who might have missed it in the beginning I am offering mentoring services for men, coaching for all budgets, making sure that no man is left behind and that any man who's going through challenging times, troubling times, doesn't know what to do, just reach out. That's the first step. All I'm asking for you to do is message me on Facebook, Instagram, or email jettyazuma at gmail.com. Just let me know what you're going through. I respond to every single message that comes my way. I don't always get to it right away, but you will definitely hear back from me. I want to be at least the one who guides you to a resource that will support you and help you on your journey. Make sure, as always, you guys check out the show notes for links and resources at therisingmanpodcast.com. Subscribe to the newsletter. Make sure you get all the newest updates about what's happening with The Rising Man, what are we up to, what crazy things are going to be coming at you soon in the near future as we start to blow up The Rising Man movement. When you guys listen, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, wherever you're listening to it. Make sure you subscribe or follow the podcast, whatever it is on whatever podcast device or app you use to listen to it and leave a review. In fact, I've been mentioning this on the past few episodes. Snap a screenshot of your review. Send it to me or tag me in it. Send it to the rising man podcast at gmail.com and I will send you a private invitation to chat with me this week. Like right away, we'll put something right on the calendar and we'll have a private chat this week. Um, this is the reason I'm offering this kind of incentive is because this is the way we get other men to find their way into the rising man community. You know, aside from sending it directly to your friends or your family, men like myself go to look at podcasts and they read the reviews and they see how many people are subscribing and that's what gets them interested and this is what's going to help another man find something that can support him in his journey so please take the time to do it it only takes five minutes um and if you haven't also already done this make sure you join the rising man facebook community facebook.com slash groups slash the rising man like i mentioned in the beginning of the episode this is where the conversations are getting deep men are starting to open up we're really starting to share our experiences our processes i'm always throwing up content and thought-provoking questions into the group and other men are starting to contribute and bring their juice and their medicine to the table as well so it's getting real hot up in the rising man facebook group and last but not least reach out to us on instagram at the rising man pod or at Jetty Azuma, that's my personal Instagram. Shout out to my man, my master, my magician, Sean Offenbach over at Less Than Three Records, at Less Than The Number Three Records. He's the one making these podcasts so dope, so dope, making them sound official tissue. Uh, lots of love to you, Sean, man. You are just, uh, you're the glue that makes this engine run. Um, all right, and last but not least, as always, until next time, Rise up and claim your destiny.